This at a time where there is also a call, according to experts, for more support for keeping retirement age people in the workforce. Well, Helen Hirsch Spence says that as people live longer, more needs to be done to hold on to employees who are nearing the so-called retirement age. But what does that mean? Well, we have her with us tonight. Helen, thanks so much for uh, joining us. My pleasure. You know, let's let's define this uh, this term right now, uh, the Canadian term. What is retirement age? What are we talking about as it exists? Not what it should be, but where we are right now. Yeah, and I, and just to be clear, I haven't advocated <laughs> against uh, changing the retirement age. I'm I'm in favor of people, you know, retiring if they can or if they want to. But the reality is that most. Uh, older individuals don't have the benefits of pensions and with the rise in costs, they need to sustain themselves financially for a longer period of time. So typically retirement age refers to the age that was established in the 1930s uh, in the States with the Social Security Act, which was age 65. And that was 1935 and the average lifespan was 62. So it made sense then to reward people who worked longer um, or as long or extended, uh, extending time past the uh, average uh, lifespan, that they would be rewarded with some kind of a retirement um, uh, option. <laughs> but we now are almost 100 years later, and we're still using the same, same timelines, and yet uh, our lifespans and our health spans have been extended um, dramatically. Well, we certainly seem to have a mix of old and new that we're trying to force into this whole concept when it comes to retirement, Helen. Um, and here's here's the question I have uh, for you. It's not just health, uh, but it is also the way we work. Um, I remember my father, my father's father, they always had pensions when they uh, worked for uh well, my father's case, it was government, and uh, in many of my older relatives' cases, it was companies. But there was that gold pension. Very few of us have that anymore. But still, right. the rules kind of say that it's kind of leaning toward an assumption that more of us have that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the policy and whatnot behind a retirement is one thing, and as you know, we have far more gig workers today than we have people who are working in companies or organizations other than like the public service or teachers who have pension plans the way in which um, we may traditionally have had them. Uh, people also have, contrib- you know, they, they contribute uh, through their employers as well. There are a variety of different um, options there. However, I think moving forward, into the future, you know, we have to rethink, you know, what work looks like, um, how are we going to compensate people for it, uh, if we are, you know, looking at longer lives, uh, we have to enable people to to retain their jobs longer if they want to or if they need to, but there has to be more flexibility and there has to be um, you know, a, a strategy, let's put it that way. I mean, the real problem, it, there are two problems as far as I'm concerned. One has to do with the demographics that we're aging as a, as a society around the world. It's not just here. And that isn't going to change. So uh, we have to 
deal with that reality. But the real issue, that we can do nothing about. But the reality is that we have a huge problem with ageism and all the age, you know, biases that we've grown up with or companies, whoever's working and hiring, have these prejudices about what it means to get old, which really belongs to a a 20th century paradigm, not a 21st century. Uh, So we need to get over that and we need to really address ageism. And I don't just mean in the workforce. I mean as a society. People don't recognize there's so much implicit uh, bias and so much um, uh, uh, lack of understanding of how important age is in the spectrum of of diversity, and it's not included. I remember a colleague, Helen, uh, saying to me, to your point, uh, that uh, ageism is one of the last uh, really kind of um, ignored uh, discriminations in the Canadian workplace. It doesn't it is, come up, yes. and it's very hard to prove. That's right. And it, and the interesting thing about it is it's the one thing that we all have in common. From the minute we're born, we're aging. So uh, we have it to look forward to if we're fortunate. And yet um, it's still socially acceptable, and it's totally normalized by by society in general. I mean, there are some people who recognize it, but the big, there are different types of ageism. And so we really need to educate uh, people about that, which is one of the things that, that uh, m- my business is all about, which is talking about how ageism looks and feels. Because I don't think most people realize that when they send these, these funny birthday cards, you know, with uh, hundreds of candles on a birthday cake and somebody coming with a fire extinguisher, you know, that they're, it's quite ageist, <laughs> as is... Uh, you could still joke about that one. Such as, you know... Well, uh, or you're not supposed to, but it's still, you can make an ageist joke, but you can't make jokes about so many other things. That's right. If you were to replace, you know, she looks good for her age with she looks good for being black, it would never be accepted. Helen, how did you uh, get into talking and taking a look at uh, this group of people over 60 as uh, really being valuable? Well, uh, personal stories from other people and also from experiencing it myself. There's something called gendered ageism. In other words, it affects women who are older more than men. Just think about it. Men who are have gray hair and pot bellies and whatnot are often referred to as being distinguished, <laughs> whereas Ouch. Uh, yeah, women are invisible and irrelevant. So um, I, felt, I, I felt that personally, and so I decided to do some research on it, and then I realized to what, I didn't realize until then to what an extent I had actually internalized ageism myself, which is one of the types of ageism that affects individuals profoundly and consequently society as well. So I decided to, to move on that front and work with organizations and businesses to provide the tools and training that would help them understand the value of age diversity in the workforce. And I also work with individuals and coach people and have courses to help them understand how ageism um, uh, to understand ageism, but also to help them transition to their next stage of life. So retirement can be just another job, or it could be a volunteer activity. Um, it could be any number of things. But the reality is that, you know, um, 
we can learn things and we can, we can have knowledge and we can have skills, but life experience is invaluable and it's especially true when we we have um, diverse workforces. So we combine the the strengths of young people and those who've been around for a long time, and you've got um, research proving time and time again how valuable and how that impacts productivity, retention, as well as the um, improved bottom line. There's a ton of value in in uh, combining uh, generations, which which we more or less have to do because we've got five right. people, five generations working together at this point. And there's a lot of bad press about how one doesn't get along with the other. But the reality is we have far more in common than differences. And those differences can be easily overcome through training and, and communication. So um, it's, you know, when you get older, uh, uh, there's, there's a different need. You need to be uh, relevant. You need to be purposeful in order to have a re- you need a reason to get up in the morning as you get older and that reason becomes less and less about yourself and more about legacy and so if you work with younger people you have that ability to transfer your knowledge and experience in whatever field you're in now so helen i don't know if this was your experience but it certainly was mine i'm 55 uh when i turned 50 uh that's when i started to take a look at my role Mm-hmm. as being a role of a mentor in mm-hmm. uh, in some of my areas uh, because I wasn't going to be able to compete in doing certain things, um, more physical things in a career, not going forward for very long. But um, certainly when it comes to, and when I mean that, I mean uh, working weird shifts and things that yeah. I used mm-hmm. to do back in the old days. Um, right. But uh, for having that role as a mentor, and uh, being open to that, it gives value. Is that your experience? Is it the oh, experience yeah. of uh, those you've been talking with? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's one of the most invaluable um, uh, roles that, that uh, as somebody who's experienced in a, in, um, in a business or in a workplace uh, can, and it's informal, it can be informal or it, it, it can develop naturally. It doesn't have to be a formal program, but uh, it goes both ways, though. Uh, I just want to point out that one of the great benefits, I think, today is that we realize that we have different expertise, and there's nothing better than working with a younger person who can teach me a whole lot about areas to which I was never exposed. Oh, absolutely. And this is one of the fascinating things. I'm lucky. I get to work with uh, people that are uh, often half my age or less. Um, And I'm always learning from them. Me too. I've always, I mean, I was a high, I was in, I lived in high school for for most of my career. I was a high school principal and and a head of a a girl's school. And so my interactions were with staff and students of all ages. So it, it really enriched my life, and and it I think also um, influenced the role that I continue to play, which is learning and helping others understand better that they can still learn if they're as they're getting older, and that they have other ways in which they can contribute. But we devalue and disrespect um, our elders. We didn't always do that, but we do now. Uh, in Western society, not in every culture, of course, um, because we've been so focused on youth and all advertising and media and pr- 
programming has been around young people um, until recently. Now, now it's changing slowly but surely because people are recognizing that the money is is in the older generations, and that transfer of, of wealth is going to take place soon as well um, as people get older and die. So, um, you know, marketing and advertising is slowly but surely coming around. But just take a look at, you know, the ads that you see on television. They're still basically of young people all the time. Because 25 to 54 is still this marketing demographic that has been, and there are some people, Terry O'Reilly, I think, is is a person that has recognized it's old school thinking, Um, but it's still entrenched in marketing in this country. Absolutely. Yeah, he's brilliant. He did a session on that. Uh, I just heard it, a a segment recently, and it's, it's absolutely the point that I'm trying to make, but it permeates society's thinking to such an extent that we don't recognize it. And as I said before, and you recognize too, ageism continues to be acceptable, but mostly because people are unconscious about it. Somebody said to me the other day, um, so I'm 73. And he said to me, "Uh, I don't, you don't sound like you're 73. And then the light went on in his head and he said, that was ageist, wasn't it? I said, very. So those are the kinds of comments. He meant nothing by it, right? On the other hand, probably meant it as a compliment. But it is a backhanded compliment, and it's ageist. Because tell me, Bruce, what does 70 sound like? I don't know, but I'll also (laughs) share this with you. Um, I'm a ham radio operator, and Mm -hmm. as a ham radio operator, 55 is young believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there are ham radio operators in their 90s that are learning new technologies. And I'm constantly amazed, quietly, I don't make any uh, comments about this, Mm -hmm. but I know of one ham radio operator who's 94 and is learning new digital modes because in his words, he wants to be ahead of the game for the future. And he's, he can learn, and that's the thing. That's what We have several myths about getting older, and one is that we decline cognitively, but that isn't necessarily true at all. It's the opposite. Um, uh, it's called crystallized intelligence, uh, and, and that starts and sort of kicks in already in, in, the thir- in our 30s. Prior to that, we have fluid intelligence, um, and the brain peaks already in the in your 30s, but it's a different kind of intelligence that sets in, and it enables you know different uh, opportunities. Let's put it that way, uh, um, and and learning is still one of those things that we can do. What tends to be um, associated with cognitive decline is, sh- is short-term memory loss, and. Uh, that's sometimes confused with dementia and whatnot, but it's true. It's like a hard drive that's full. Sometimes, you know, the word just doesn't come as quickly as it used to. Absolutely. Know? Helen, but, thank you so much for sharing some time and uh, your great insights. <laughs> My pleasure.